This podcast is dedicated Liloy Nishmat, a dearly beloved Chavuta, Shalom Lev Ben David Alevi Sigal. The preparation for receiving the Torah on Mount Sinai. The Zohar teaches us that Oraita Kutchabrichu Visrael Hadheim, the essence of the Torah, the essence of God, and the essence of the soul are one. That's a very powerful statement. So the Torah is actually the same essence as God is, is the same essence as the soul. Now we cannot attain the essence of God directly. Indeed, the Holy Ari tells us that even the highest angels cannot grasp the essence of God. And furthermore, the essence of ourselves, our soul, also remains hidden from us. So the one aspect of this godly essence that we can take a hold of which we're given as a gift to grasp and to attain, is the Holy Torah. When we learn, when we immerse ourselves in the Torah, we're connecting directly with the Holy Blessed One and with our own soul. And this is the great gift that we're given every Shavuot, to renew our commitment, to renew our connection with the Divine Essence. But the truth of the matter is, we're not just a soul. If we were only a soul, then the Torah would speak to us so clearly and not only us, but the whole world would want to hear every single scrap that the Torah could give us. The reality is that often we don't want to hear what the Torah has to say, or we don't want to fulfill the mitzvah that is in front of us. And we often find that if we do it, we're doing it without the joy and simcha that we would really like to put into it. And we need to ask ourselves, why is that? And the answer is because we're made up not only of the soul, which shares its essence with the Torah, but we're also made up of the body. And these components, whilst on the one hand they oppose each other in many ways, also need each other. The soul cannot express itself without the body, and the body cannot connect with the divine without the soul. So... The first thing we're going to look at is how do these two components within ourselves actually oppose each other? Our body aspect is described by Rabbi Ashlag as our will to receive for ourselves alone. In modern language, we call it our egoism. It has a voice. It tells us whatever you do to better yourself in the material sense or in the emotional sense or whatever actions you take which increase your importance are good. In other words, it wants us to work for ourselves, to put our own self-interest first. The soul, on the other hand, says whatever we can do in giving unconditionally, whether to God or to our fellow human being, is good because such actions bring us close to God. As we said earlier, the voice of the Torah and the voice of the soul are similar because both of those lead us into connection with the divine, who wishes to give us infinite love and goodness. Our body aspect, our ego-dominated aspect, is called by many names by the sages. And one of the most common terms is the Yetzirah, the evil inclination. Whereas the soul aspect of ourselves is called the Yetzirah Tov. From what we've said so far, we would expect these two forces within us, body and soul, to be equal. Such equality would give us freedom of choice. We'd be able to listen to the advice of either Yetzirah Tov or the Yetzirah equally. 
But when we look inside ourselves, we find that these two forces within us don't seem to be balanced at all. The voice of the ego, the body-dominated Yetzirah, shouts, urging us on to better ourselves, to act in our own selfish interests with a loud voice. Whereas the Yetzirah Tov whispers, often we can hardly hear it. In fact, we're much more familiar with the Yetzirah. The sages, commenting on the phrase, sin crouches at the door, mean that the moment a baby comes out into the world, his body aspect, his will to receive himself alone, starts to grow immediately within him or her. Whereas the spiritual levels of the soul actually only start to incarnate into the human being at the age of bar or bat mitzvah. So the still small voice of the soul is actually new to us or newer to us. It's less familiar to us and we have to actually strain to hear it. The desires of the body and of the soul are very different. They're actually quite opposite. We find that our ego-dominated desires conflict with the desire of the soul. And so we often find ourselves acting in ways that are contrary to the interests of our soul because the ego wants to continue its reign and will fight very hard to retain its dominance. So in our ego-dominated reality, how do we bring ourselves to want the Torah? Seeing that the Torah shares the same essence with the soul and is therefore on the opposite side, in fact, quite opposite. How did the children of Israel come to this amazing moment when they actually said, Naseh Nishma? How did we even get to want the Torah then? And how do we get to want the Torah now, seeing that the Torah is the opposite of our will to receive ourselves alone? So to really go deeply into this question, we're going to turn to an article that Rabbi Baruch Shalom Ashlag wrote on the preparation for the receiving of the Torah on Shavuot. The scripture in Exodus chapter 19 says, Vayeret Hashem al Har Sinai el Rosh Hahar. And God came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And Rabbi Ashlag asks, why does the scripture say Vayeret Hashem and God came down? Surely this should be a moment of joy, of happiness. The term God came down seems to imply a sort of lowering or lessening of God's stature. And with respect to the people, the scripture says, and they stood at the bottom of the mountain. The sages interpret this as kafa alehem hal kagigit. He held the mountain over them like a barrel, meaning that God compelled them to receive the Torah. If they received it, so much the better. And if not, here would be their grave. The Tosafot questioned this, pointing out that people had already agreed to receive the Torah. The people had already said now, Sevenishma. So why would God need to compel them to receive it? Although there are many explanations of these two phrases and Rabbi Ashag wants to look at these two issues. God coming down onto the head of the mountain and then holding the Torah over our heads as a kind of a threat. Not, we're not looking at it in a historical sense of what happened then, but we want to consider how do these phenomena work in us today. So the first aspect we need to remember is the well-known spiritual principle 
No light, no goodness can be obtained if we don't want it. There can be no fulfillment unless we have a lack for it. We cannot enjoy anything unless we want it or need it. Indeed, the greater the yearning, the greater the joy we will feel when we finally attain what we're yearning for. It follows, therefore, that prior to our receiving the gift of the Torah, we, the children of Israel, need to want the Torah. We need to see how much we need it, and the extent to which we need it causes us to want it. So how do we get to realize how much we need the Torah in our lives? The sages of the Gomorrah in Bava Batra taught, Barah HaKodesh Torah Tavlin. The Holy Blessed One created the Yetzirah, but he also created, he created the Torah as its healing spice, as its medicine. Rashi explains this teaching, telling us that the Torah mevatelet hilchurei avirah. It takes away the thought of sin. As the sages said in Kiddushin, im pagam b'chamunuval zeh, moshchehu lebeit hamidrash. If this scoundrel waylays you, bring him to the Beit Midrash. Who is the scoundrel? The Yetzirah. What's the advice? To open Torah. It doesn't mean we physically have to go to a physical Beit Midrash. What it means is open this Torah, open a Siddur, open to Hillim, open, open a, a book of Torah, whatever speaks to you. Open a, a biography of a great tzaddik, anything. It's an emergency. The Yetzirah is attacking, use the defense against it, use the Torah. The sages in Masechet Kiddushin said, Kach HaKadosh Baruch Amar, Amar Lehem L'Yisrael, Barati Yetzirah, Ubarati Lo Torah Tavlin. Im Atem Oskim B'Torah, Ein Atem Nimsarim B'Yodo, Shneemar, Halo Im Teitiv Seit, Vim Ein Atem Oskim B'Torah, the Holy Blessed One said to Israel, I created the evil inclination, but I also created the Torah as its healing spice. If you're involved with the Torah, you're not handed over into its power. As God told Cain, if you do well, you can cope with it. Okay, the thought of the sinners come, like it happened to Cain. If you do well, you'll be able to deal with it. But if you do not practice the Torah, then you'll be handed over into the power of the Yetzirah, as the scripture, as the scripture says, because lepetach sin is crouching at the doorway. From what we've said, we can see the Torah helps us get out of the dominance of the evil inclination, out of our ego-dominated consciousness. That is to say, whoever can feel that we have the Yetzirah within us, and we can feel, therefore, that the advice that the Yetzirah is giving us, even though it seems tempting at first to us, is actually harmful to us. And in fact, uh, is the main hindrance to our coming to Devekut, to unity with God. But in practice, it's actually very difficult for a person to decide once and for all that his or her Yetzirah his ego-dominated mindset is actually bad. There's lots of reasons for this. First of all, society in general believe in the advice of the Yetzirah and think it's good. 
Most of society feels that to follow the dictates of one's ego is the key to enjoying life. From this perspective, even helping somebody unconditionally actually becomes very difficult because what will I get for myself? And this, in fact, is the dominant consciousness of the world around us. Most of the media, the politics, etc., follow this rule. And therefore, it's actually difficult for the individual to see that the Sahara and its advice is bad. It takes a lot of inner work on ourselves until we're able to feel that own personal, the Sahara, which we have known intimately because it comes into us the moment we're born, before we even knew who we were, is actually our own worst enemy. To know that it actually wants to prevent us from coming to the greatest possible good of our life, which is the connection with God and the soul, and which we can only come to through actions of giving unconditionally, is actually difficult, because such actions are in direct opposition to the Eitzhara, and it will therefore try to oppose them in every possible way. So now we can ask the question, in whose hands is this decision left? as to whether the Yetzirah is actually good or is it bad? Okay, and the sages answer this with a parable. Rabbi Hanina ben Papa taught, the angel who was appointed for pregnancy is called Lila. He takes a drop and places it before God and says, Master of the world, look at this drop. What will come to it? Will it be wise or stupid? Will it be a warrior or will it be weak? Will it be poor or will it be rich? But it doesn't ask God if it will be wicked or righteous. Because this is the choice that is left to the individual to make. So what does this choice boil down to? The choice is simply that we need to decide whether we're going to label the Yetzirah good or bad. Are we going to label it evil because it doesn't allow us to receive the best possible good, which is our connection with God and our own soul? Or are we going to call it good because it's telling us that it is only our best interests at heart? But we need to know that the Yetzirah really is evil because by the fact that we listen to its voice and occupy ourselves primarily with our own selfish desires, it causes us to separate from God. And this is because it consists of the will to receive for ourselves alone, which is a desire that is opposite to God's desire, which is entirely that of giving. And because of this difference of form, which it therefore has from God, it prevents us from receiving God's light. This means that God's name, that he is good and does good, cannot be manifest to us as long as we're in the consciousness of our selfish love we see that we do have an obligation to decide whether our selfish love, our Yetzirah, is our friend or our enemy. But as we said earlier, it's not actually easy for us to decide this once and for all, that the evil within us is actually evil, to the extent we will no longer listen to its voice or its advice. Only God can help us see the truth and show us that the will to receive for ourselves alone is in fact our biggest enemy. Only when we can really feel this truth within us as a true and genuine feeling are we protected from its tricks and its wiles. Only then, when we really have that as that feeling, only then all the concealments of God's light are removed from us and we will be able to experience the reality of God's light as a constant delight 
and source of life within ourselves. To discover this truth, there are many ups and downs on the way. Sometimes we make the choice that we won't listen to the Yetzirah anymore, and then, oops, we listen to it again, and then we feel ashamed and cry out to God to help us. And sometimes God has mercy on us, and we don't listen to its advice, and we feel good for a while. And then we start listening to it again. And that's how it goes, with ups and downs, round and round, again and again, until finally there's woven within us the true will and desire that God should help us to determine within our feeling, once and for all, that the Yetzirah within us is bad. And this actually is the answer to the question that we asked. We asked, what is the preparation for the receiving of the Torah? And the answer is the Yetzirah. Because when we know that our will to receive ourselves alone is evil, there is born within us a new desire. And what's this new desire? How do we deal with it? How do we conquer it? How do we overcome it? And for this, we have to go back to the sage's answer. I created the evil inclination. I created the Torah as its healing. And so now we can see that the realization of the evil within us is the actual preparation for us to receive the Torah. Because only when we know what we have within us and how it's preventing us from coming to the good and joy that God wants to give us and how it's stopping us from having a loving and flowing connection with our soul that the Torah can provide us with, then we can say with all our hearts, we need the Torah, give us the Torah. It is this recognition that we need the Torah, which is the true vessel for receiving the light of the Torah. We further asked, what is the explanation of the scripture, and God came down on Mount Sinai to the head of the mountain. First of all, what is the head of the mountain? And what does the word coming down mean when we're talking about the creator? We know in spirituality that everything is described according to the action. For example, the angel who's sent to do healing is called Raphael. When the Holy Blessed One sends healing to a person, he's called Hashem, Rofei Cholim. In the same way, when Hashem shows us in what state of lowliness we are actually in, then God is described according to the action as God came down on Mount Sinai. God came down on Mount Sinai to the, to the top of the mountain. And with respect to the people, the scripture says, And they stood at the lower part of the mountain. What is this mountain? The mountain in Hebrew is Hal, which relates to the word Hirhurim. Hirhurim means thoughts of sin. This is the thought of a person. A person's thought is a potential which can then actualize into an action. So God came down on Mount Sinai to the head of the mountain refers to God coming down into the thought and understanding of a person. That is to say, God informs us of our own lowliness. He lets us know that the Yetzirah inside us is evil for my youth. He lets us know this first in our thought which we can then bring into actuality. And this indeed is what happened. The people came into that feeling in reality then, and we can also come into the feeling that we need the Torah 
now. How does this feeling manifest? Because now we can see right in our guts that if we have the Torah, we can get goodness and joy in our lives. And if not, this will be our graves because the continued dominance of our will to receive for ourselves alone leads us to a living death. With Torah, we have choice. We have connection and life force with our soul. And without it, we don't really stand a chance. We've said earlier that we would have expected the two elements of body and soul to be in balance with us. But the reality is, as we've seen, the evil inclination dominates our consciousness and without the Torah, we cannot get out from its power. Yet if these two elements of body and soul are not in balance, where's our free choice? And the answer to this is, in fact, they are in balance, but not in the way we would expect. The essence of the soul, the essence of the Torah, and the essence of God is one. This means that a little bit of connection with the soul goes an awfully long way and far surpasses the effect of a lot of the will to receive ourselves alone. We truly do not appreciate the power of one unselfish act. As many of you may know, Shalom was for myself and for others a most beloved Chevuta. We learnt much Torah together, but that wasn't all. He also helped me through some very hard and distressing times in my life. One of the ways that Shalom influenced me was that he really did appreciate the power of giving unselfishly. Giving to others without looking to see what the outcome would be. He gave to people when he saw them at their worst times and in their hardest moments. Because even though we were not necessarily manifesting the soul at that moment, he never underestimated the incredible power of the soul and did everything in his power to help it manifest in himself and in others that he knew. He continually worked on himself and the last actions of his life were simply another expression of his, of his desire to let go of the will to receive for ourselves and come to the complete expression of his own incredible soul. His gifts are still with me. I do not think it was a coincidence that he passed to the next world, Erev Shavuot, the time of the giving of the Torah. It was a true expression of his soul. This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Yehudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Horus School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.